There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. On this episode of Newt's World, I'm joined by Peter Navarro to talk about his new book, Taking Back Trump's America, Why We Lost the White House and How We'll Win It Back, which is a follow-up to his bestseller in Trump time. He's joining me to talk about why he believes Trump lost the White House in 2020 and how he will win it back in 2024. And I have to say, he is very honest in this book about his observations about key players in the Trump White House. We've known each other a long time. Peter has been a champion for America and is one of the first people to warn about China. So I'm really pleased to welcome my guest, Peter Navarro. He is one of only three senior White House officials who remained with President Trump from the 2016 presidential campaign to the end of his term in office. As director of the Office of Trade and Manufacturing Policy, he served as policy coordinator for the Defense Production Act during the pandemic and was a principal architect of Trump's tariff, trade, and tough-on-China policies. Peter, it's great to be with you again. Welcome and thank you for joining me on Newt's World. Newt, it's an honor, a great pleasure. This Taking Back Trump's America book is not a book to me anymore. It's a mission. We are in a situation in this country where our economy is worse than I've ever seen it, and it's going to be worse than the 70s. We are in a situation where we have an invasion on our southern border that's unprecedented, and national security is threatened around the world from the likes of Xi Jinping, Vladimir Putin, 
rocket man in North Korea and the mullahs in Iran. These are perilous times. What I'm hoping, Newt, to take back Trump's America is we outdo you, sir. You are the hero of the Gingrich Revolution. You engineered one of the most definitive victories for the Republican Party and brought about great change. Because of that, we need another Gingrich revolution. As I documented, taking back Trump's America, Newt, in order to get Trump back in the White House in 2024, the first major step is to rip that gavel from Nancy Pelosi's hands peacefully through the ballot box in the next 30 days. And what I'm urging everybody to do is show up on game day, certainly in that November election, but between now and then, find a candidate in a toss-up race in the House of Representatives and throw your support behind them in any way you can. We want to see a Gingrich revolution. I think, Newt, didn't you pick up a net 70? No, we got 54 seats, and then John Boehner in 2010 got 63. And I tell people I think it's conceivable that we'll get at least 50 seats in the House and probably three to seven in the Senate. But I think you're right. It requires everybody who cares about America to go out and vote. Well, these toss-up races are really the key, and we have them spread out. Zach Nunn against Cindy Axney in Iowa 3. She's an incumbent Democrat. Zach, good candidate. He should win. Joe Ken out in Washington. He's underfunded, but in a position where he can win. And then, of course, Newt, there's the other key races, particularly in the battleground states for governor, which is Kerry Lake in Arizona, Tudor Dixon in Michigan, and Doug Mastrano in Pennsylvania. Trump, I've never seen him quite as energized in an off year. I mean, he's doing rallies every weekend and really getting behind things. But I think what you and I having a frank discussion, we know that the biggest existential threat to this country is communist China. We know that Joe Biden and his regime showing weakness have emboldened Xi Jinping, and that's very dangerous to us. I think we would agree that if Trump were in office, we would have never had to worry about Putin going into Ukraine as he did. We know that rocket man in North Korea would not just fired off a missile over Tokyo. And these are the kinds of things where elections matter. And what I do, Newton, the Taking Back Trump's America book is try to provide people a clear explanation of who the deplorables are. They're black, brown, blue collar Americans, middle class families with traditional values who want nothing more than prosperity and security for themselves. They are not domestic terrorists when they go to the PTA and complain about social issues being taught as indoctrination to their children. We are not domestic terrorists if we question the election. And I think it's important to understand the difference, I think, between traditional republicanism, where Trump republicanism, traditional republicans knew, have always agreed, look, we love low tax burden, particularly for the middle class. We love a low regulatory burden, particularly for small business. We love strategic energy dominance, which keeps gasoline prices low and doesn't get off in foreign wars in the Middle East. We all agree on that as Republicans. There's no question about that. 
And it's not Republicans who agree on that. It's like independence. It's a broad swath of this country. The thing that really differentiates Trump from the traditional Republicans, Trump will call rhinos, is a couple of issues. I mean, one is this border issue. I mean, there's an ideological debate in the Republican Party. Do you want unlimited immigration across the border? Get your cheap labor, drive down the wages, particularly of lower income people, or do we want secure borders? And Trump clearly comes out on that. And of course, the big issue for me was always fair trade with the rest of the world, particularly with China. And this is what's being fought about. Newt, we proved this, particularly in the first three years of the administration before China launched the virus at us. We proved that we could have prosperous economic growth without inflation and peace in the rest of the world. We do not have any of that now, sir. By the way, I have to mention, you commented on Zach Nunn. Yesterday, I did an event in Des Moines for Zach. Oh, come on. Are you kidding me? No, no. This is pure coincidence. I'll tell you the most interesting thing I found is his opponent, Cindy Axney, was in Paris voting absentee well, under their proxy system. And Greg Gansky, an old friend who'd been in Congress, pointed out that the contract in 1994 called for abolishing proxy voting like that, and that the new commitment calls for abolishing the proxy voting, which is how Nancy has been able to dominate the House. But it turned out that Cindy Axney had filled out a form saying that because of COVID, she couldn't come to vote and she was sending her proxy vote. But in fact, she was in Paris at a wedding having a good time while her vote was being cast in Washington. And I think that could end up being the issue that decides that election. The average Iowan doesn't think you should be allowed to skip work, go to Paris, and pretend you're at work. And that's what they were doing. So you happen to mention a race I was actually in the middle of. But let me ask you one thing, because you've had such an amazing experience of working very closely with the president. And I think you're one of the people who most deeply influenced him. Give us one or two examples of what it was like to work directly with Donald Trump. Well, I think one of the great strengths of Donald Trump is that he constantly seeks different points of view and information, and he's voracious in consuming that. I always found him when I was in the Oval for him to be the smartest guy in the room. He's not necessarily going to have all the facts at his command when he brings in an expert, but he'll be able to draw that out of people. What's interesting to me, dude, is that if somebody goes down a road and they're going to tell him something, he often knows exactly what the people are going to say. So he'll shut them up and move them along. Okay. He'll listen, but then he'll move quickly. He doesn't suffer fools gladly. And so I found that way of operating to be wonderful. I thought that Kelly in particular as a chief of staff, was disastrous because he tried to wall the president off. But by the same token, as I document, and you noted it in the intro in Taking Back Trump's America, too often he was surrounded in the West Wing, the Roosevelt Room or the Oval Cabinet Room, by people who actually, in my judgment, shouldn't have even been there. I'll give you an example. In Taking Back Trump's America book, I talk about a meeting early on in the administration in 
2017, where the president is really chafing at the bit because we're not executing on his trade policy as he promised in Pittsburgh in June of 2016. It's like, what's going on here? So he's sitting in the middle of the table. I'm at the other end. He's got most of the cabinet there, all of the West Wing top personnel there. Goes around the room and we get to the end, Newt. And there were only two people in the room who supported his trade policy. It was me and him. And his eyebrows kind of went up and he looked around. And at that point, he understood that there was a personnel problem in the White House. And you know, the old personnel is policy, Reagan saying, well, my problem was bad personnel was not just bad policy, but it turned out to be bad politics. It was an interesting ride. And it's interesting, Newt, that I was one of only three people that was with him from the campaign all the way to the end. You found the rhythm of talking with him about a topic he really cared about. I think because of his business background, he was as concerned about our trade policy, about regulations and about taxes and about tariffs. And he understood their linkages, particularly to the rise of China. It always struck me that you were a key link in how he thought that through. And that's why I was just curious. There are very few people who got the rhythm of how to dance with him. And they kept trying to reshape him. And that was impossible. He was an already a mature adult billionaire, the president of the United States. You weren't likely going to teach him how to be a different version of Donald Trump at that stage of his life. <laughs> True that. I think the dynamic in our relationship was quite simple. He knew that I would always tell him the truth as I saw it, no matter whether he liked it or not. He does not like yes people, okay? He wants people who will stand up for their positions. And I think he also understood that of the people in the White House, I was one of the few people who did grasp, dating back almost as long as he had, the existential threat China posed, not just militarily, but economically, and that we were effectively in sync on the trade issue. I mean, look, it's like you yourself come from a long strain of republicanism, which historically supported free trade. And that's all well and good. But at some point, there's an epiphany where if China is engaging what I would call the seven deadly sins, if they're stealing our intellectual property, if they're subsidizing all our industries, their state-owned enterprises are running rampant, they're manipulating their currency. You know, at any given point in time, yeah, the stuff's cheap in Walmart, but over time, we lose our factories, our jobs, our wages, and people descend into this economic hell. He understood that. I understood it. And we constantly had to fight people in the White House who didn't. So I guess I was an ally. You know, there's a funny story in the Taking Back Trump's America book about me walking into the Oval, and there's General Mattis at the Pentagon and Rex Tillerson, Secretary of State, okay, two big high-ranking officials. And these guys are telling Trump that he can't renegotiate the trade deal with South Korea because it would upset the military alliance there. And Trump's trying to explain to them that if you sacrifice economic security on the altar of national security, you lose both. And in the South Korea case, Newt, if we hadn't renegotiated that deal, we literally 
would not have a pickup industry, which is one of our most important types of factories in this country. And by the way, if we go to war, would be easily converted to wartime use. And so he brings me in. and It's like I have to talk to these two guys in ways which I'm sure they didn't really appreciate. But that's what those words needed to be said. And I kept thinking, why the hell are these guys even here if they didn't support the president's agenda to begin with? And that's, you know, the Reagan thing. You know, Reagan got it right. Nixon did not. I love Buchanan's book on the Nixon White House, where he talks about kind of the lost opportunities for conservatism, because Richard Nixon had too many liberals in there running amok. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hi, this is Newt. We have serious decisions to make about the future of our country. Americans must confront big government socialism, which has taken over the modern Democratic Party, big business, news media, entertainment, and academia. My new best-selling book, Defeating Big Government Socialism, Saving America's Future, offers strategies and insights for everyday citizens to save America's future and ensure it remains the greatest nation on earth. Here's a special offer for my podcast listeners. You can order an autographed copy of my new book, Defeating Big Government Socialism right now at Gingrich360.com slash book, and we'll ship it directly to you. Don't miss out on this special offer. It's only available for a limited time. Go to Gingrich360.com slash book to order your copy now. Order it today at Gingrich360.com slash book. 
there's a great story about Jim Baker being in a cabinet meeting and advocating a tax increase. And after he gets done, Reagan has taken his glasses off and is sort of twirling them. And he looks at him and he says, Jim, if you believe what you just said, why are you in this administration? And Baker began backpedaling like crazy and turned to Darman later and said, we will never, ever again discuss a tax increase while he's president. But it was that kind of sense of Reagan knew where he was taking us. And he had had eight years as governor of California to learn a lot of stuff. Whereas I think we tend to forget that from Reagan's first speech for Goldwater in 64 to becoming president 16 years later, He'd had a long time to put together a team, to put together a policy. And Trump, as you know, entered the White House in the middle of chaos, having come out of nowhere. There was no national Trump network. There was no equivalent of heritage for Trump. And I think the result was that he had a lot of people around him who, even if they meant well, didn't really get the rhythm of what he was doing. That's exactly right. And the Taking Back Trump's American book is really in two parts. You know, the second part is how we went it back. But the first part really goes back to the beginning, Newt. I'm in the campaign. Then we win. And I'm at the transition in the war room at Trump Tower. And the original sin of the administration, to your point, came literally the day after the election when the decision was made to bring in the RNC, the Republican National Committee, the Bush, Cheney, traditional Republicans under the assumption that we needed to staff what, as you know, is a very deep state. And the thinking was that these people would come in and be loyal, both, this is an important distinction, both to Trump himself and to his agenda. And in many cases, they turned out to be disloyal to both of those things. And Bob Lighthouse, the trade representative, who I'm sure you know well, used to joke after we'd have these knockdown drag out fights with the globalist wing, the Mnuchins and the Gary Cohns and the Larry Kudlows of this world, that there were two types of people in the White House, the ones who wanted to save the world from Trump, then guys like me and Bob who thought Trump would save the world with his policies. But it was a fundamental error, Newt. I love you telling that story about Baker because that was like one guy speaking contrary to Reagan's thing and he got spanked. On a daily basis, I'd be sitting in the Oval or the Roosevelt Room fighting just about everybody else. And it was uncanny that that would happen. It just was like, I would wake up, particularly in 2017, I wake up every day just thinking to myself, how did this happen? Why are these people here? What is going on? But look, the boss, he's smart. He got rid of every single one of them. The only one who really survived the whole way is Treasury Secretary Mnuchin. And as I documented taking back Trump's America, he, during our China negotiations, would constantly back-channel the communist side behind everybody's back. He'd undercut Lighthizer. And he did it. I don't think he did it for noble purposes. I think he did it just instinctually, and I think thought he might cash in later down the road. He didn't see them as an existential threat either, like you and I do. Well, I think also, to be fair to Steve, he represented a business class in New York who had made billions out of China. The number of billionaires 
whose wallet is more important than their country is frankly pretty sobering. Well, I think you hit that on the head. I mean, he, in some sense, was the Treasury Secretary for Steve Schwartzman and Larry Fink and BlackRock and Goldman and all of that, where Steve came. He came directly from them. But that gets to the question of the importance of loyalty. Again, a great story in Taking Back Trump's America about what I call the three generals. You know, we had H.R. McMaster at the National Security Council. He took over when the FBI kind of unfairly, illegally took out the legs of Mike Flynn. So he's there. We have Mattis at the Pentagon, and we have Kelly as chief of staff. And look, Newt, the first rule in the military is what? Obey the chain of command. You don't have a chain of command. You don't have a fighting force. Yet I would see these three generals on a consistent basis disobey their commander-in-chief. He would tell them to do stuff, and they would disobey that. And if that was a corporal or a private below those generals, they'd be in the brig for a very long time. Yet those guys would do that. And I find no conscionable reason for that. And I get back to why personnel is so important in a White House, sir. But you go on to say in your new book, I'm quoting here, whatever the challenges Trump had, under the Joe Biden regime, everything that can go wrong seemingly is going wrong. Do you really see it as that bleak? Yes, bleaker now than when I wrote those words, because my training is in macroeconomics. I got a PhD from Harvard. I spent about a decade on CNBC as a contributor forecasting markets, and I was usually pretty damn good at that. And what we have now, Newt, is this combination of recession and inflation known as stagflation that's a rare event in economics because usually the standard Keynesian tools can solve that problem. If you have a recession, usually inflation falls, okay? You don't have to worry about that. So with Keynesian tools, all you have to do for a recession is stimulate the economy. But when you do that in stagflation, you make inflation worse. And if you try to control inflation like the Federal Reserve is doing now, all you do is stimulate the recessionary part of the problem. And what I'm seeing is just mistake after mistake, which is digging us a deeper stagflation hole. Interestingly enough, in the Taking Back Trump's America book, there's a chapter on the economy where I actually reprise a memo that I wrote to Chief of Staff Meadows for the president that warned September of 2020, Newt, of stagflation brought about by the structural changes that were coming because of how COVID was hitting us and how we were handling COVID. So this is not like a mystery. On COVID alone, the way the resiliency of the global supply chains fell apart, you were going to get stagflation. Now, what Joe Biden has done over and above that, for example, his fax mandates, you can argue about whether that's good or bad. I get that. Okay. But a vax mandate in and of itself really drove a lot of people out of the workforce, even as it complicated, particularly our transportation networks. That was a stagflationary shock. At the same time, you've got 
this Congress, Newt, if you were in Congress now watching what was going on, you'd be standing up on your desk every single day screaming at these people. Trillions and trillions and trillions of unnecessary expenditures stimulating inflation. So my point here, sir, is that these people don't know what they're doing macroeconomically. The stock market, which has been levitating, and the bond market are going down at the same time, as I forecast, by the way, back in November. And yeah, it's bleaker than I see it. It's a politician-induced disaster. It's very much a self-inflicted wound. And I get back to what I told you at the beginning, dude. We need a Gingrich-style revolution in 30 days at the ballot box on the basis of Republicans running strong on the economy, the economy, and the economy. And I think we're going to get that if we do what we need to do, which is get out on game day. And between now and then, help candidates like Zach Nunn take out incumbents like Cindy Axman. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. I had the feeling that we are going to see a remarkable election. And I keep telling candidates, campaign at grocery stores, campaign at gas stations, be everywhere where people notice the price of things. And I think that's probably 60 or 65 percent of the campaign. I think crime, particularly in places that have big cities, is a very, very strong issue. 
not controlling the border, particularly as it relates to fentanyl, which is killing thousands of Americans every month. In fact, we lost last year over 100,000 Americans to drug overdoses, which is twice the death rate of the entire Vietnam War. And I think people respond and understand that. And then finally, I find parents are so upset about how the teachers union has become weird that the whole notion of returning power to parents is an extraordinarily powerful issue. I think if Republicans stick to that, and they are so far, you see in all these Senate races, everything is moving towards the Republicans. Because when you get to the issues, the Democrats just don't have anything positive to say. But a piece of that, and it may be too late for the next 30 days, but it's going to be one of the keys to 2024, is really focusing on China and communicating China to the American people. How would you go about advising the new Congress and advising potential presidential candidates to deal with the issue of China? Great question. Let me just say one other thing about this election coming up. One of the key seismic shifts has been Hispanics moving strongly towards the Republican Party, particularly in places like the Rio Grande Valley. And I think that's going to be really important. The Democrats have made the mistake of thinking that Latinos have the same kind of values as woke progressive secularists, when in fact, nothing could be further from the truth. So I think that's going to matter too. With respect to communist China, let's be clear, it's communist China. It is and hopefully will not always be, but it's communist China. I start, new with just a recognition of what I call, they popped, I talk about it in Taking Back Trump's America. I was on Chris Wallace one Sunday when I was in the administration, and he asked me, you know, why you go as harp on China? It comes out the seven deadly sins. People need to understand that on a daily basis, communist China is just stealing everything from us. It's the intellectual property theft, the currency manipulation, everything in between. And that seventh sin is the fentanyl that comes from China, now often through Mexico. What we need first and foremost is to certainly to keep the tariffs on, but I think we need to move to a decoupling from the Chinese economy. It was a statistical epiphany for me, Newt, that the size of our trade deficit what consumers basically spend at the Walmarts is roughly equivalent to the size of the Chinese military budget, okay? So we need certainly to put an end to China's aggression. And look, I spent four years in that administration trying to negotiate with them. They will not abide by anything that they sign. You cannot trust them. So you can't resolve this in a civil fashion through trade negotiations. You just have to get tough. With respect to the national security issues, we have to rethink our naval strategy, for example. I wrote a book back in 2015, Crouching Tiger, about the rise of the Chinese military. You know, it's a seven-minute missile ride from the mainland of China to the Taiwan island. Our aircraft carriers jokingly are referred to sitting ducks in the South China Sea. And we need to take that threat seriously and not view them as Biden does as pure competitors. 
but as strategic rivals and treat them accordingly. And last thing, dude, I mean, look, how long have we been hearing politicians on Capitol Hill talk tough on China and do absolutely nothing? Okay. It's time to kind of actually do what we need to do. And hopefully we'll have the resolve for that. Trump had the resolve for it and he got a lot done on that. Well, you know, Kevin McCarthy, the Republican leader, has said they will set up a specifically China committee and they will move legislation directly focused on China in the new Congress. And I think in that sense that your message is being to reach a lot of people. Well, you know, Kevin's interesting to me. When I was in the administration, we were urgently trying to shut down the ability of the communist Chinese state-owned enterprises to bid on our metro systems because those state-owned enterprises were highly subsidized and using all of the tricks of the trade to undercut our domestic manufacturing. And if we lose our bus and rail production in this country, again, we diminish our manufacturing base. And McCarthy, at one point, played a very key role in blocking our ability to do so. So I think one of the issues that raised for me was the role of Chinese money in American politics and how it gets funneled in various ways. Look, Newt, if I had a dime for every person on Capitol Hill who talked tough on China, including Chuck Schumer, I'd have a lot of dimes here. So my point is that the wolf is not just at our door, it's got two feet inside it. And I'd love to see action, 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 which is the canon of the Taking Back Trump's America book. Well, I think, frankly, that's why Taking Back Trump's America is an important book. And I also think that without giving you an absurd level of credit, you and Xi Jinping have both done a lot to educate the American people that China is a real threat. I mean, every time you'd warn about something, he'd come along within three months and actually do it. And the result has been, I think, we're much less willing to tolerate the Chinese than we were, say, a couple of years ago. And I give you a lot of credit for having gotten the American people and gotten the leadership of the country to begin to understand this. In your new book, Taking Back Trump's America, Why We Lost the White House and How We'll Win It Back, is essential reading for people who want to understand what happened and what we need to do to get the country back. And as you pointed out, with the Biden administration's total disaster, both at home and abroad, we desperately need the outcome you describe in taking back Trump's America. So I want to thank you. We're going to post your book on our website, and we want to make sure that people realize how important it is. And I really appreciate you joining me on Newt's World. Sir, you are indeed a patriot. You've made great changes in this country already. You can rest on your laurels. You are not doing that. Let's have a Gingrich revolution in November here, sir. And it's always an honor to talk with you, Newt. Thank you to my guest, Peter Navarro. You can get a link to buy his new book, Taking Back Trump's America, Why We Lost the White House and How We'll Win It Back, on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Garnsey Sloan. Our producer is Rebecca Howell. And our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcast 
and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at Gingrich360.com slash newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at Viking.com.